If you were given the opportunity to create a meme, you like that word? I've learned it. Yeah. Uh, create a meme of the Apostle Paul, uh, what would it look like? Would you picture him as a dynamo, as powerful, or as harsh and frank, maybe dogmatic, narrow-minded, chauvinistic, even bigoted? I'm sure he could come up with all kinds of images because he's been characterized by, by all of those things. And you know, when we stop and look at Paul, we realize that most don't think of him as loving, compassionate, and caring. We think of the Apostle John in those terms, but, but not Paul. And in Galatians, he has been very direct and abrupt. He hasn't minced words. He hasn't seemed very affectionate. This morning, I think we're going to see a side of Paul that seldom comes into view. We're going to see him let his guard down and expose his true feelings for the Galatians. We're actually going to find him calling them my children. Again, something we expect from the Apostle John, but not from the Apostle Paul. We're even going to find him picturing himself as a mother giving birth to the Galatians. In fact, in our text for today, we're going to see him not so much as Paul the Apostle, as Paul the pastor, the shepherd, someone who really loves and cares for people. Of course, we should have seen this before. Paul's entire ministry is an obvious expression of love. Love for his Savior and love for people. All that Paul did was motivated by love, sacrificial love, even though we seldom read it that way. But there's no mistaking it today. In nine verses, we will clearly see him as Paul the pastor, pleading, praising, confronting, warning, longing, and agonizing over people he truly cares about. So let's get what perhaps would be a fresh look at Paul today and take a peek into his heart. We begin by seeing Paul plead with the Galatians. We're in Galatians chapter 4, the first part of verse 12. I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now, Paul's letter takes on a very personal tone here. And when he says, I beg of you, he's actually pleading with them. He's pleading about something he feels very strongly about, something that is heartfelt. What is it? It's his desire that they be like him. Now, that sounds a little weird. Until you remember, he said almost the same thing to Agrippa. When sharing his testimony with the king, Paul said, I would to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am, except for these chains. 
Paul made it clear that he wasn't wishing that the king or even his accusers were going through the trials he was facing. He was simply wishing that they had what he had in Christ. That they knew Christ as he did. And that is what he's wishing for the Galatians. That they might know the same joy and freedom in Christ that he knows. And as we've seen That's what they were losing, thanks to the Judaizers and a legalistic approach to earning favor with God. And so Paul pleads with them, become as I am. He holds himself up as an example of someone who has what Christ intends all of his children to have and says, become like me. Now, again, that seems a little egotistical, almost like saying, If you want God to bless you as he has me, you must become like me. But that's that's not what he's saying. All he's saying is pattern your walk with the Lord after mine, and you will be as blessed as I am. As a pastor, that's what he wanted for them. He wanted them to find what he had found in Christ. And he wanted it so much that he had become like them to be able to share his life with them. And so he adds, so I also as you. Now, what does that mean? He's probably saying the same thing he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. Paul was willing to identify with anyone in order to be able to share Christ with them. He was willing to become like them, to live as they lived, eat what they ate, Work as they worked. He made whatever sacrifices necessary to get them to accept him so he could share with them his Savior and give them the opportunity to find the same joy he had found in Christ. And apparently it had worked. For they had at first received him very well and Paul praises them for it. Let's let's read on. He says, you have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. You have done me no wrong, Paul writes. 
referring to the way they had treated him. In fact, he praised the Galatians for the way they initially received him. He says it was because of a bodily illness that he had first preached the gospel to them, that an illness was what had first brought him to Galatia or detained him there. What that illness was, he doesn't say. Some have suggested that he contracted malaria along the coastline and had gone inland to get out of the malaria area. Others suggest he had epilepsy or that an eye problem had made travel difficult for him. Whatever it was, it must have made him physically repulsive or at least hard to care for. And he recognized that his bodily condition was a trial to them, but praised them for not despising or loathing him. The word for loathe actually means to spit at. But spitting was for them more than a symbol of disgust. They believed spitting could ward off evil spirits that cause sickness and keep them safe. They didn't treat him as if he was a carrier of demonic diseases. They received him as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. And Paul praises them for it. He knew it was hard for them, but they did it. They judged him on the basis of his message and not his appearance. They judged him as preachers should always be judged. And he praised them for it. But something had happened. Their attitude toward him had changed. And and Paul dealt with it because he cared about them and their relationship. He raised the question on his heart and confronted them with his concern. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul knew the relationship had deteriorated and and he could not ignore it. It would have been much easier to simply say, whatever, And go on. But he didn't. Instead, he wanted to know what had happened. What had happened to the sense of blessing that had been evident when they were together. They used to be happy to have him around. They cared about him. They would have done anything for him. He even said they would have plucked out their eyes for him. And that's where we get the idea that something may have been wrong with his eyes. They cared so much about him that if it had been possible to give him their eyes, they would have done so. Their love for him had known no bounds. But things had changed. Through their correspondence, he had noticed the change in attitude, and it bothered him, so he dealt with it. And the only thing he could figure out was that they had become, that he had become their enemy by telling them the truth. So he came right out and confronted them with that possibility. Now, that wasn't easy to do. No one wants to risk making someone their enemy by telling them the truth. That's why we hesitate to tell someone the truth even 
when they ask for it. But good pastors do it. And it's certainly not easy to then go back and confront someone again and tell them they didn't handle your initial confrontation very well and ask them straight out if it's because you were honest with them that the relationship has soured. That would really be hard. Paul did it. He cared that much about the Galatians. He risked driving them even further away in the hopes of getting them back. And then he bravely went on to warn them about the new relationships they were building. Verse 17. They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out in order that you may seek them. Now again, they are the Judaizers, and we've been talking about them for several weeks. The Judaizers were those who insisted that Gentiles had to become Jews if they wanted to become Christians. And they were courting the Galatians. They were eagerly seeking them out, trying to win them. But their motives were not commendable. Paul said they wanted to shut the Galatians out so they would seek them. Now, what does that mean? I think he's saying the Judaizers were like a third kid at play trying to turn the other two against each other so he can have one all to himself. They were trying to cut the Galatians off from others, especially Paul, to make them dependent upon them. They were discrediting Paul's teaching so the Galatians would accept their teaching. In reality, they were cutting the Galatians off from the grace of Christ, making them feel insecure in him so they could dominate them and force them into the legalism they taught. Now, that's a common ploy among cults today. They eagerly seek out converts and try to turn them against everyone and everything else so they can control them. Sadly, some churches and preachers do the same thing. They want their people dependent upon them for everything. They seek to control their flock by shutting them off from others, even from a personal relationship with Christ. They're afraid that if they teach their people about liberty and freedom in Christ, they're afraid they'll get the idea that they don't need the preacher anymore. How misguided is that? The goal of preaching and biblical counseling, which is nothing more than individual teaching, shouldn't be to make people dependent upon you. It's to make people free in Christ and dependent on him. To give them confidence in the written word and the body of Christ as a whole so they can go directly to God. That's what Paul wanted for the Galatians. And that's what the Judaizers were taking away. Now, that's not to say that Paul didn't also take it personally. He did want the love and respect of the Galatians. In fact, he longed for it. He says, but it is good always to be eagerly sought 
in a commendable manner, and not only when I'm present with you. Now, we can't be sure who Paul is talking about here. Was he saying it was good for the Galatians to be eagerly sought out, or the Judaizers, or himself? I think the second half of that sentence puts the focus on Paul. But any way you look at it, he's saying something that is very true. Everyone wants to be wanted. The Galatians wanted to be wanted. The Judaizers wanted to be wanted. Even Paul wanted to be wanted. And it is good to have someone eagerly seek to build a relationship with you if their motives are right. And they're doing so in a commendable manner. Paul longed for the Galatians' friendship. He wouldn't compromise the truth to get it or keep it, but he wanted it. Even when he wasn't with them, he cared about them. And he wanted them to care about him. He even agonized over them and their relationship. But it wasn't for selfish motives. He wanted a good relationship with them because he wanted to help them have a good relationship with Christ. And over that, he agonized. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Paul thought of the Galatians as his children, and he said he was in labor with them again. A strange concept. He had had a hand in giving birth to them, but his involvement in their spiritual life hadn't stopped there. You know, we tend to think the hard part is over once we have served as a midwife to someone's birth in Christ, but that's only the beginning. And Paul recognized that fact. He even went so far as to say that he was still in labor with his spiritual children, and that he would be until Christ was formed in them. Paul agonized over the spiritual development of his children in the faith, and his goal for them was Christ in their lives. It wasn't that they become good church members or that they depend on him for everything, but that Christ truly be formed in their lives. And that should be the goal of every pastor. I know that's my goal for you. I want more than anything to see Christ at work in your life, changing you, conforming him conforming you to his image. And to do that, I plead with you to become as I am, not so you can become a little Ricky, but that by following my example, you might find the blessings I found in Christ. And like Paul, I'll praise you when I see good things happening in your life, when I see you becoming even more Christ-like 
and dealing with others and situations in a Christ-like manner. And I'll try to be brave enough to confront you when I see problems arising and warn you if I see dangerous relationships developing, the focus of your life changing, or Christ-like behavior beginning to wane. I truly want to be a pastor, a shepherd to you, as well as your friend. And I do agonize over you, even if, like Paul, I don't always show it. Let me assure you, I do care. And like Paul, more than anything, I want you to give your heart to Jesus. Because I know what he can do with it. Give me thy heart says the Father. Christ died to enter into a relationship with you. And he wants you to understand the fullness of his love. And he wants you to, to enter into a relationship with him that's heartfelt. Not, not based on expectations or laws or church requirements. He wants your heart. He wants to know you. He wants to inhabit you. He wants to bless you. Far too many people have gotten caught up in religious play acting and have never come to know Jesus. Far too many churches have worked way too hard to, to make their people into good church members. And in doing so, have taken the focus off the lordship of Christ. And daily decisions and daily relationships. That's my prayer for you. And it was Paul's prayer for the Galatians. Sometimes it's hard to communicate it. Sometimes, obviously, the one who is trying to reach out screws up, does something that's misinterpreted, something that alienates people. That's the way it happens. But please know my heart and give your heart to Jesus. Give me thy heart, says the Father above the saints.